Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You'll remember the scene from the famous film. The Trinity College clock ringing in midday. Harold Abrahams finally achieving the Great Court Run Challenge. While up in Scotland, the lush green grass racetrack where Eric Liddell's star first shone. Yes, I watched Chariots of Fire on Sky Movies this week. A hundred years on, certainly simpler times. But it made me wonder what they'd make of the latest athletics row. Whether go-faster shoes should be banned or whether it's part of the evolution of the sport like proper running tracks and spikes. This is Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic podcast. In this episode, as well as athletics, two legends of their sports continue domination. Djokovic and Dame Sarah. We have the full story. I'm John. And I'm Michael, and we do pride ourselves on not just the movie references, but providing the most comprehensive roundup of Olympic and Paralympic sport with our Team GB and Para GB bias, of course. It's a broad church as ever this week. On the way, how the coronavirus is impacting the world of sport. We'll bring you news of British medals in the World Championship Paracycling and Cyclocross World Championships as well. We'll have the Australian Open Tennis all rounded up for you. And a breakthrough moment for Birmingham ahead of the 2022 Commonwealth Games. This is Anything But Footy. We'd love to hear from you through our website. You can message us there, anythingbutfooty.com. You can join the debate on Twitter at anythingbutf. We love getting your messages there as well. And you can find us on Facebook, on YouTube and also on Instagram. And we'll start with another quote. It's not our job to regulate the entire sports shoe market but it's our duty to preserve the integrity of elite competition. World Athletics President Seb Coe this week, after Nike's Vaporfly shoes were not banned this week, despite mounting media pressure. But Nike's that Elliot Kipchoge used, running the marathon in under two hours last year, have not been permitted to be used at this summer's Olympics. Basically, any shoe must have been available for purchase, say World Athletics, from now on, from um, the end of April, by any athlete on the open retail market for four months. 
i.e. allowing anybody to go and buy them. But World Athletics have banned shoes with soles that are thicker than 40 millimetres. That's the Kipchoge stuff. Now, Vaporflies were worn last year by 31 of 36 of the top finishers at the six biggest marathons in the world. The men's and women's marathon world records were both smashed, and these shoes that cost £190 have foam soles and carbon fibre plates in each heel to help propel a runner's stride. Now, Nike calls it the fastest shoe ever made. And I think there's no doubt about that. But as Lord Coe said, the president of World Athletics, he said, I believe these new rules strike the right balance by offering certainty to athletes and manufacturers. Is he right, Michael? Well, the cynic in me would point to the fact that Nike have annual sales of around about $40 billion annually. The other cynic in me would suggest that Lord Coe has quite close links with Nike. So it's not in anyone's interest to put a complete blanket ban over these new shoes these vapor fly shoes these controversial shoes what world athletics have been doing though is introducing tighter regulations and i think they're actually right because when you look at their previous ruling it simply stated that shoes must not be constructed so as to give athletes any unfair assistance or advantage now that is very broad that's very open to interpretation and what they've done is they put some facts and figures some statistics onto this now and it's interesting that they've chose that 40 millimeter as the uh, kind of basis for this uh, this this new set of rules that they brought in because that means that these vaporfly shoes come in just under that i was watching a very interesting bbc news report by dan rowan where they deconstructed one of these shoes and did one of these measurements and it's interesting that they've chosen 40 millimeters because the nike vaporfly fits within that the results have been astounding as you say 31 of 36 top three finishes in major marathons last year including Costco's marathon world record in October 29 worn wearing these new shoes Elliot Kipchoge of course is 26.2 miles alpha fly shoe that one will be banned but what's been really interesting for me as well it's not just the the impact on the times and you know whether someone like you or I could eventually beat Usain Bolt's 100 metres time by wearing one of these shoes. I mean, that's probably a far stretch. But what's been really interesting to me is the way that the share prices and the money markets have reacted to this. Because in Japan, some of their local brands plummeted after 84% of runners wore these new Nike shoes in a famous 124-mile road race from Tokyo around Mount Fuji. So you would think it's interesting, it's good to talk about that times are getting quicker because of the technology of the shoe but when you're actually then putting companies and livelihoods and jobs in jeopardy because of them because share prices are plummeting and shareholders are are worried about what's going to happen next well then you're entering a completely different world altogether but isn't that just capitalism michael if one company makes shoes that are better than others and make you go quicker a there's not really an issue with that and actually the others should then try harder to come up with a similar type of shoe patent permitting of course uh, as well i don't find the issue that troubling to be honest i feel like nike tend to dominate athletics certainly in the kind of middle and long range distance they have all the major stars on their books as you say uh, some even further up the chain so is anyone who can actually win a race actually missing out because the vapor flies make you go a bit quicker i think 
generally that sport is all about breaking barriers and breaking boundaries. And I don't have an issue with these shoes at all. We saw cinder tracks, as I say, back in the day. And I can remember going around the Olympic Stadium in London before 2012 and we were being told this Mondo track that they were installing was going to be the fastest track in the world. And it was quick. It was pretty quick. And then, of course, they replaced it for the World Athletics Championships in 2017 and it was even faster. Is that a benefit to runners now compared to the chariots of fire era that we were talking about at the start of uh, this episode or even of course chris chataway um and his great uh, achievements um in in the in the 50s so spikes came in are they then um you know actually more beneficial than normal shoes well yes of course they would be wooden rackets in tennis there are so many things that i think you can look at and go is this cheating no i don't think it is and if anyone says to me well you know you're a you're a firm advocate against taking drugs in sport this is nothing like that at all this is not people looking to take a substance inject it swallow it knowing that it's going to um you know that they are breaking the rules and cheating you are literally putting something on your feet you still have to do the running you still have to do the miles in training um it's not like having an engine attached to a bike and still calling it cycling yeah it's a revolution not an evolution and i think that's been the issue here you know i take your point that all sports evolve but it's interesting that in the world of cycling for example they've tried to tighten up the regulations over what bikes are used so that british cycling can't just bring out the big guns come tokyo 2020 that no one has ever seen before we will get to glimpse them in the forthcoming world championships which of course are just a few weeks away i think the precedent here and what athletics world athletics and what lord co and what nike have obviously looked at is what happened a decade ago in the world of swimming. In that case, substitute Nike for Speedo. It was a full-body swimsuit. 100 world records were broken. So it was a revolution, not an evolution. So in 2009, FINA, the equivalent of world athletics in in aquatics, of course, they banned the high-tech suits. So the new rules they brought in in swimming restricted what materials were used and how much of the body should be covered. And they felt that that meant a more even playing field. And I think that's what what world athletics have tried to do here. You know, I don't think um, it's a bad decision by World Athletics and I go back to the point I made right at the start of this is that they haven't really banned these shoes. These shoes can still be used. Uh, they are still encouraging sportswear manufacturers to to go on this shoe-style arms race, if you like, to try and create better shoes. They're just putting some hard and fast rules and regulations in place where there weren't previously. Because I go back to that very broad, very open to interpretation rule, must not be constructed so as to give athletes any unfair assistance or advantage. What does that mean? No one really knew what that meant. Now we have some statistics. We have some parameters in place and I think that's important and I, and I think you're right Michael I suppose the only question I've really got is do you think people are really having a go at this because it's Nike and everything else that we've been talking about on podcast after podcast in the last few weeks I think you've got a really valid point there and that's kind of what I said wasn't it the cynic in me yeah um, suggests that because Nike are so powerful that 40 billion dollars annual sales and that's across obviously athletics golf all sports that they're involved in I think there is this this feeling perhaps to try and take them down a peg or two I think that's certainly what some of the other sportswear manufacturers will be trying to do but I think world athletics as we have discussed time and time again and the people running world athletics have been so in bed with Nike over the years I think it would be very difficult for them on a personal level 
to put a, a blanket ban across here. So I think what they've done is they've come up with a, a compromise arrangement. And actually, you know, on this compromise arrangement, going back to what I've said before, I actually think they, they probably just got this one right this time. Well, we'll continue with athletics. This is Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic podcast. And Russia could now be thrown out as a member of the World Athletics Federation rather than just be suspended. Yes, the ongoing story with the Russians uh, continues this week. The Athletics Integrity Unit, which is an independent body set up by World Athletics to look at drugs cheating in sport, has issued their latest report into the ongoing drug scandal that has engulfed the Russians for the past four years. And they say the lack of contrition and acceptance that anything is wrong is now unacceptable and the strongest form of punishment should now be implemented. And that is stripping RUSAF, which is the Russian Athletics Federation, a place at the athletics top table. Now, all of this, you'll remember, concerns were raised last autumn that Russia's top athlete officials oversaw the fabrication of medical documents to cover up a doping offence by a high jumper who won indoor gold in Birmingham in 2018. Daniel Lysenko also won silver at London 2017 World Championships. So this lack of contrition and this unacceptable um, behaviour, I suppose, is what they're saying, means that they should be stripped of a place at the athletics top table going forward because, of course, they're trying to get them back in, Michael, aren't they, all the time. Desperate what's to interesting, get them back in. But what's interesting as well is they're actually now saying the whole authorised neutral athlete process should also be suspended. And quite right, too, because, you know, you, you reference there uh, Daniel Lysenko and his coach who have been suspended, along with the president of Russian athletics. And you talk about the events that he was able to take part in. So although we've got these authorised neutral athletes who should be allowed to compete because they're operating outside the system or they can show that they have passed a number of drug tests over time. That system hasn't worked. Here's an example of someone that's been able to, to get around those rules. So even though they're supposedly outside the system, supposedly authorised and neutral, they're actually still cheating. And I think that's what the Athletics Integrity Unit is trying to put a stop to now because although we've got these athletes that are producing these results, if you like, in, in doping tests saying, you know, we are clean, what we've seen and what we've experienced, according to this suspension for Lysenko, is that... Actually, there's been some cheating taking place. So we can't trust the authorised neutral athletes. And I think there's a, a bigger picture here for the AIU. Obviously, Russia is the target at the moment. But is there the potential, the opportunity that they might turn their attention to other nations as well? We've seen other drug bans, notably a number of Kenyans in, in long distance running over the past couple of months as well. And the, the Athletics Integrity Unit, I think, like a lot of us, are just completely and utterly fed up with it. So mm. the Moscow Lab has had its certificate suspended again. More about that on episode number 40 of anything but footy we talked about that and as you said russia haven't shown any contrition they haven't admitted their wrongdoing and the athletics integrity unit have said well enough is enough anyone that uh, wants to run for russia or as an authorized neutral athlete but from russia we don't want them as part of our sport now we know athletics led the way ahead of rio where they banned russia but of course the olympics allowed them in now we know going into tokyo that the olympics have said well we want this neutral athlete status to work for the olympics in all the other sports so surely this now puts question marks over that as well yeah it's a big question and it's going to be one and 
how many times have we said this that <laughs> is going to trouble the IOC right up until probably the day of the opening ceremony. You remember how late on decisions were made ahead of Rio, and I think we're going to see exactly the same ahead of Tokyo 2020. I have a certain level of sympathy for, I'm sure, athletes from Russia who are competing in some sport somewhere in the world that are completely clean and have never attempted to cheat the system, have never you know, taken illegal drugs, have never doped, but I suspect that there's very, very few of those, and most people who have been in this system, whether because they themselves have been putting themselves forward for this, or whether they've just been poorly advised and you know they're in a system where they maybe don't have too much of a say, and that's why they've got themselves into the situation that they've got themselves in. I do have sympathy for those handful i suspect it's just a handful that could probably prove they are completely and utterly clean and nothing to do with this but i just think it's been one after another after another as far as uh, russian athletes are concerned and the world of sport as i said is totally fed up with it we will continue talking about athletics on this episode of anything but footy your olympic and um, paralympic podcast but we still have gymnastics hockey canoeing rugby sevens and the australian open tennis to round up for you as well but the world athletics championships in nanjing in china in march this year have been cancelled and world athletics made the quick and clear decision to give athletes the chance now plan ahead of the tokyo olympics this summer as china implements huge efforts to try and contain the coronavirus The spread is still at a concerning level and no one should be going ahead with any major gathering that can be postponed. And it will be rescheduled in China in a year's time in 2021, which I think will be interesting because the European (laughs) Athletics Indoor Championship is during that point as well. And I think they have agreed, Michael, that they will now do this, what, three weeks after the European Indoors? Yeah, the European Indoors is slated for Poland between the 5th and the 7th of March 2021. Uh, The World Indoor Athletics in Nanjing, which is 370 miles from Wuhan, incidentally, uh, that was scheduled for the 13th to the 15th of March. So if they delay that exactly a year, it's going to be taking place six days after the end of the Europeans. And, you know, we've spoken to enough athletes over the years to know that, you know, they target these these major events. And then if they have to try and target two to try and be a, a European indoor champion and then a world indoor champion a week or a couple of weeks later, it's near on impossible. It's why athletes sometimes make that choice in Commonwealth Games year that they don't attend the Commonwealth Games because they want to take part in the European Championships or vice versa. You know, if you are an elite sprinter, if you are Adam Jamili or, or Katerina Johnson-Thompson, someone like that, you sometimes have to make decisions because you simply can't put your body through two, three major events. So you want to peak at the event which you think will give you the best opportunity of bringing home a medal. Doesn't always work. We've seen it with British sprinters who decided not to run indoors because they were targeting outdoor medals and then didn't, of course, uh, make outdoor championships or win outdoor medals. So it's not an exact science. But yes, there is going to be an issue for European athletes who were maybe targeting a world indoor title this time and a European indoor title a year later. I have to just say on the broader point with coronavirus, it's not just athletics um, that has been hit by this. World Cup skiing has been cancelled in China. There's serious questions about the Olympic qualification now because China's uh, women's football team have been quarantined in Australia where they were heading for qualifiers as well. So, you know, the world of sport is having to react to this. And, you know, I have to say a bit of credit to world athletics 
Celtics for reacting quickly to this and making the decision. Doesn't make it any easier for, for Poland in 2021 that might now be overshadowed, having bid for that event and won the right to stage that event and will be planning for that event now. But it is the right thing to do. I'm surprised that perhaps they didn't look at other potential hosts. They did have offers, as I understand it, from other potential host cities, somewhere like Glasgow, maybe, which has hosted major championships indoors before and has an indoor Grand Prix coming up, could potentially have stepped in. We always seem to step in in this country. We did it with the (laughs) para swimming in London. Every time there's an Olympics or a World Cup and there's delays over scheduling of building of construction of stadiums, we always see the stories that London or Manchester or Birmingham, well, Birmingham stepped in for Durban with the Commonwealth Games, of course. We're always ready to step in. On this occasion, though, World Athletics said, no, no one's going to step in. China will still get the right to host it. We're just going to delay it a year. And the precedent there is the Ryder Cup after... uh, uh, September the 11th, yeah. of course, where they delayed that a year and they just, you know, operated a different cycle for it. And with such a late world championships in Doha, of course, last year and a July Olympics, I'm not sure how many athletes were quite going to China for the world indoors anyway, which is which is a shame. So actually it gives them another year and, and, a, and a year where, yes, the European indoors are important, but the world indoors should be about three weeks after is what we're being told. It hasn't happened since the 80s that they've been held in the same year, but actually it might work in their favour um, that, that that actually happens. But the World Athletics World Indoor Tour has slightly had the spark taken out of it because there is now no world championships at the end of it they were in Karlsruhe in Germany this week without one British athlete in action uh, they're in Dusseldorf to run and then Glasgow on February the 15th the following weekend the British indoor championships will still take place in Glasgow despite not having a world's to go to 2019 world finalist and outdoor British champion Abigail Arazuru heads up the women's long jump field alongside Jasmine Sawyers uh, Sophie McKinna and Morgan Lake will be in shot put and high jump action And there are still tickets for the SPA British Athletics Indoor Championships on the 22nd to the 23rd of February uh, 2020 at the Emirates Arena in Glasgow, still available. You're listening to Anything But Footy. I'll tell you what, John, what would be a great idea would be a digital media platform dedicated to covering nothing but Olympic and Paralympic sport. A chance to follow Team GB and Para-GB athletes week in, week out. What a wonderful idea. What a great idea, yeah. What a wonderful idea. We, We... we should probably do that. In fact, we are doing that, but we oh, might yes. now have a new rival to do that as well because a new platform has been announced this week. It's a partnership between the British Olympic Association, the British Paralympic Association, UK Sport and the national governing bodies, and they're calling it GB Sport Media. They've not come up with anything quite as catchy as anything but footy. Uh, they've appointed a guy called Dominic Coles, who's a former BBC executive with a lot of experience in the world of sport, uh, to head up this operation. And they're aiming to start after Tokyo 2020. And the plan is to show global events and national championships from all those Olympic and Paralympic sports that, like us, Phil, don't get the attention week in, week out outside of the Olympics and Paralympics. They've already signed up 2,600 hours worth of coverage across 26 sports. And this will be a brand new broadcast platform. I'd like to think we're not going to be rivals, John. I'd like to think we're we're going to be sort of cousins that get along well. How about that? I think absolutely, and podcasts should be all part of it moving forward. That sounds like a very good idea to me. Are you listening, Dominic? 
<laughs> Dame Sarah Story has now won 60 World Championship medals. This is an incredible achievement after another double gold at the Paracycling Worlds in Milton in Canada, the last big track competition before the Paralympics this summer. In what is her 20th career World Championships across swimming and cycling, it really makes you realise, Michael, that we haven't achieved anything in life. Uh, Story beat British teammate Crystal Lane Wright in the WC5 individual pursuit for a British 1-2, claiming gold by catching her with six laps to go. It was her 37th world title, and she bagged 38th as well as she won the scratch race to claim the Omnian gold too. Afterwards, she said, I'm really pleased with my form and the work I've been doing in the chamber and on the road. I'm absolutely delighted. Heading off, of course, to Tokyo in the summer. Jody Cundy will as well. He bagged his 12th consecutive kilo world title, becoming the first Briton to top the podium on day one. He was a second quicker than his nearest rival, but admitted afterwards the time really doesn't reflect anywhere near the form I'm in, which is kind of disappointing. That is why I love Jody Cundy, because he's always wanting more, as do all of British cyclist stars. And the other great wins for them, tandem sprint duos Sophie Thornhill and Helen Scott and Neil Fackey and Matt Rodham were gold medal winners. Uh, Jaco Van Gas won his first ever world title in the MC3 Kilo, and Van Gas also won silver in the pursuit, as did Kadena Cox, who's finding it interesting in cycling at the moment in the WC4 500 metres. Her world record she set in Rio Paralympics was broken by Canada's Kate O'Brien. Also in the world of British cycling, the Cyclocross World Championships have been taking place in Switzerland. And just ahead of us recording anything but footy today, a silver medal in the men's elite race for Tom Pidcock. And in the under-23 women's race, Anna Kate won a bronze medal as well. Just want to mention one other British performance on day one, finishing fourth in the junior women's race, was Millie Cousins. Now, we always get asked, with our podcast being called Anything But Footy, whether we are anti-football and that's certainly not the case well john is a norwich fan which is kind of anti-football all right leave it out i have had a a long-running connection to leeds united now why do i mention leeds united and millie cousins in the same sentence and that is because millie's dad andy cousins uh, used to work with me at leeds united and is a former leeds united player as well so uh, millie cousins who was the national champion in january fourth in the junior women's cyclocross very much has uh, sporting pedigree in her blood her father as I said being a former professional footballer uh, with Leeds United as well and definitely for her the trajectory is going in the right way she obviously doesn't flag at the end of a season that's a Leeds (laughs) joke for any any football fans out there she's falling apart again (laughs) <laughs> the so-called old guard of Federer, Nadal and Djokovic show no sign of slowing up as Serbian Novak won his 17th Grand Slam title and defended his Australian Open title in Melbourne. No other player has now won a major since Stan Vravinka at the US Open in September 2016. That's nearly four years ago, with one of the top three winning the last 13 Grand Slams. Djokovic beat Austria's Dominic team in five sets to claim his eighth Aussie Open, and that's now three major final defeats for his opponent as well. Djokovic will return to the top of the world rankings, replacing a certain Rafa Nadal. No such domination in the women's game as American-Russian Sofia Kenin came from behind to beat former Wimbledon champion Garbanay Muguruza in three sets to take the women's title. The 21-year-old, who's been playing tennis since the age of five, now enters the world top ten and is the highest ranked American in the WTA rankings ahead of Serena Williams. And Britain's Joe Salisbury won his first ever Grand Slam, winning the men's doubles final with partner Rajiv Ram, but Jamie Murray missed out on an eighth slam in the mixed doubles final the second major of 2020 the french open put it in your diaries may the 24th
Staying in Australia, Sydney's hosted the latest round of the World Rugby 7 Series. Fiji won the men's title and New Zealand won the women's title. Now, looking at the overall standings, England's women are 8th overall. This is just a pointer to where we are ahead of the 7s competition in Tokyo at the Olympics. Mm. The second time, of course, uh, Rugby 7's back on the programme. So England's women, who finished 4th last time in Rio, 8th overall at the moment, 3 rounds to go. They actually were 6th in Sydney. England's men who were silver medalists, of course, in Rio. They are fourth overall with six rounds to go. They finished fourth in Australia, beaten by the USA in the 3-4 playoff. Uh, They lost to Fiji, uh, the eventual winners, as I said, in the semi-finals. £70 million plans to redevelop Birmingham's Alexander Stadium for the Commonwealth Games have been approved by Birmingham City Council, who are actually backing the project themselves. Permanent capacity will increase from twelve to 18,000, as well as seats for 40,000 for the Games in 2022. Uh, there will be a new warm-up track also built as well. The Labour-run council said it wanted to create a legacy asset the city and its residents can be truly proud of, and the new-look Alexander Stadium will host the opening and closing ceremonies as well as the Athletics events for Birmingham 2022. Would have been interesting if Birmingham City Council had turned down <laughs> Said <no. laughs> the planning permission for their own event, wouldn't it? I'm not sure. It would have been an awkward discussion to have had in the corridors of power at Birmingham City Council. Uh, also this year, we've got another big sporting event coming back to our shores, the European Canoe Slalom Championships. Remember, uh, Lee Valley hosted the Worlds in 2019. Well, the Europeans are coming uh, between the 15th and 17th of May. Great partnership again from UK Sport and British Canoeing. And tickets are on sale now for that. If you want to go and see some top-class canoe slalom, it's always really exciting as well, canoe slalom. Top-class canoe slalom European Championships on the same course, of course, where London 2012 was held at the Lee Valley. Lots of action down under, as we've been talking about, and a draw and a defeat for British men as hockey's pro league started up again. Danny Kerry's team were 4-2 up in the final quarter before the match finished all square and Australia, the world's number one men's team, won the shootout 3-1. In their second match, the Kookaburras ran out easy 5-1 winners. The British women, defending Olympic champions, of course, lost 2-1 to Australia with just 12 seconds left on the clock in their opening match. And their second match was actually cancelled with Britain 1-0 up because of heavy rain and lightning in Sydney. Great Britain's men and women next in action against New Zealand next weekend, Saturday, February 8th and 9th. And we'll finish with some gymnastics news for you. British Gymnastics have held their national awards this week. Congratulations uh, to Lewis Smith and Dan Purvis, who were inducted into the British Gymnastics Hall of Fame. Uh, Joe Fraser and Max Whitlock were both rewarded at the ceremony after becoming world champions, as were Shanice Davison, uh, the world silver tumbling medalist, and Elliot Brown, who won the world silver tumbling medal as well in the men's event. They both picked up awards at the British Gymnastics National Awards. Remember, Birmingham is hosting the Gymnastics World Cup event on the 25th of March. Ellie Downey and Alice Kinsella have been selected this week by British Gymnastics uh, to take part in that. It's part of the Olympic qualifiers. Alice Kinsella won European gold last year. Remember Ellie Downey as well, that fantastic bronze medal at the World Championships. They will join Joe Fraser and Gianni Regini Moran, who have already been named in the men's team. Looking forward to seeing that in March. This is Anything But Footy. If we miss your sport, and we've covered quite a lot again this week, Anything But F on Twitter, Anything But F on Twitter, or you can message us on Insta and Facebook and subscribe to the podcast. Help spread the word, spread the sport, if you like. And if you see someone running in a Nike Vaporfly, don't worry. 
Just remember what the great Eric Liddell said. Everyone runs in her own way or his own way. But where does the power come from? To see the race to its end? From within. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.